Support for Terrestrial comes from the Evergreen State College, a public liberal arts college located in Olympia, Washington. Learn more about undergraduate and graduate programs in environmental sustainability, policy, and advocacy at evergreen.edu. I arrived at Standing Rock the morning after Donald Trump was elected president. At that point, there were several thousand people camped out on the cold North Dakota plains. There were teepees and tents, old buses and vans, and it smelled like campfire smoke and sage and horses. People from all over the world had gathered there to stop an oil pipeline that they said would put the Standing Rock Sioux's water at risk, as well as the water of millions of people downriver. It turned into the biggest environmental and social justice story of the year. And I was there to find out why had all these people come to protest? So I started walking around camp and asking. Vanya Kent and her daughter Beatrice stood next to a row of flags and watched as a group of people walked by heading for the river. I want to walk in the flags. You want to walk along the flags? They're singing. They are singing. Isn't that beautiful? They're yeah. praying. They're praying for the water and the earth. Could I ask why you guys came? I'm, I'm here because I love the earth, and I'm here because I, I want to be um, dismantling white supremacy and addressing native erasure, and I think that this is just as much about that as it is about water. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. I caught sight of a man in a big fur coat riding a scooter with a pork pie hat on, and I raced down the dirt path after him. Hi, I'm Orlando Davis. Was there a moment when you knew you had to come here? Yes, my auntie and uncle made it clear that uh, that once they destroy the water, the earth is gone. It's no, it's not going to su- survive. But now that Donald Trump is our president, I don't, I don't know if it's going to get any better. Everyone was at Standing Rock for their own reasons, but they shared certain things. They wanted to make their voices heard, and they wanted meaningful change, and they thought that protest was the way to achieve that. But that stretch of the Dakota Access Pipeline is now finished, despite a lot of legal opposition. The Ocheti Shakuin camp has been cleared out, and all the people you just heard have gone home. So it raises a question. In the world we live in today, does protest still work? I'm Ashley Ahern, and you're listening to Terrestrial, a show that explores the choices we make in a world we have changed. I've been covering environmental protests for years. And lately, I've been asking myself this question a lot. Do these actions and marches work? And I met a guy, an activist, who's got a surprising take on it. He says that protest is broken, and it's time to do things differently. So he came up with another idea. But when he tried to test that idea, pretty much nothing went as he'd planned. Micah White has been an activist since he was 13. He started small, refusing to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance in middle school, then starting an underground newspaper in high school. He's been planning and carrying out protests ever since, each one a bit more ambitious than the one before it. Then in 2011, while he was working at Adbusters, he and the founder of the magazine came up with something big. So we called it Occupy Wall Street. We picked the day, which was September 17th. We basically, we picked the core tactic. And it just spiraled outside of our control. 
Occupy spread to more than 80 countries, and it triggered demonstrations in other cities all around the U.S. But Micah says that Occupy didn't actually work, that protest in general doesn't work. Marching with signs and camping out to stop pipelines or fight Wall Street, it's all just a story that activists keep telling themselves. If that story were true, it should have worked with Occupy Wall Street. And it hasn't worked with Black Lives Matter. It hasn't worked with, you know, we see it again and again. It hasn't worked with women. the Women's March. It's time to basically learn. We need to get rid of that story. It's a radical idea, right? That protest as we know it is broken. And there are, of course, a lot of people who disagree with Micah on this. But he says, no, it's time for activists to try something else. At first, after Occupy fell apart, he wasn't sure what that something else was. So he and his wife went looking for it. My wife and I, we decided let's move to the most beautiful place we'd ever been. And through universe or fate or whatever, a good divine intervention, we moved to, to Nehalem, Oregon, which literally means the place where the people live. So it fits very well with my kind of like um, democratic populist ideology. Nehalem is a tiny coastal town, fewer than 300 people. There are loggers and carpenters and fishermen mixed in with retirees and old hippies. Micah and his wife Kiara live there with their baby son in a modest house with vines around the door and chickens in the yard. When they first arrived four years ago, Micah was working on his book, The End of Protest, and he was observing his new community. He says he saw a power vacuum. Most people weren't engaged in local politics. And that's a problem, Micah says, but it's also an opportunity for activists across the country. The truth is, this Nehalem and, and rural communities is the solution that the left has been looking for. These, this is the solution. And the people who live here right now, they have two options. They can join that or, like how politics works, they can be displaced. So stand up and fight back, Micah says. Seize control via the democratic process. Run for office in small towns. That's his new idea. And to test it, that's exactly what he decided to do. It started in July 2016, way before Trump was elected. Micah wrote a letter to the community announcing that he was running for mayor of Nehalem and calling on other citizens to run for the three vacant city council positions. Basically, he wanted to see more people in the community take ownership of their local government rather than leaving it to the same small group of people who always seem to run things. In the letter, Micah described the city council as, quote, unresponsive, unimaginative, and unprepared for navigating our city into the future. They have no ideas about what to do with their community. Not, no, it's not that they have bad ideas. It's that they have no ideas. And just like that, Micah White started a fight that would ultimately divide the community. After that first letter went out, Micah held a community meeting, and he says 60 or so people showed up. That's more than have attended a city council meeting in years. People talked about protecting the city's watershed, providing college scholarships to the kids of Nehalem, and getting more citizens involved in city planning for the coming decades. It may seem like a rosy beginning, but many of the people who came to that first meeting weren't there to support Micah. They had received his letter in the mail and showed up because they wanted to know, who is this guy? Micah was an outsider in a lot of ways. In addition to being an outspoken activist, Micah is mixed race. His dad's black and his mom's white. And Nehalem, it's 93% white. One guy came with a, a Confederate flag, T-shirt. I'd never even seen him before. It's kind of turned down T-shirt cuffs right here and his muscles right there, you know, tattoo on his arm. Lucy Brooke was at the meeting. She teaches yoga and she's lived in the area for 45 years. And she was an early supporter of Micah. 
For her, it was about protecting the city's water supply. The city allows logging in the hills surrounding its water source, and she'd been trying to learn more about it. At one point, she'd even asked the city council for a tour of the watershed. And they were very uncooperative, and it just seemed like they weren't telling us everything that we wanted to know. So then Micah was always kind of talking about his ideas, and I began to, they began to make sense. So Lucy started attending regular meetings of Micah's group, the Nehalem People's Association. She remembers Micah talking passionately about the need to take control and build a more responsive and transparent local government. He encouraged her and several others to join his ticket and run for one of the three open seats on the city council. And Lucy agreed. But at the same time, as our campaign went on, I just kept saying, stop saying take over. (laughs) (laughs) It's more like we just we want to be on the council so we can have a voice, so we can have a tour of the watershed and so we can ask questions and and be answered. Micah's fellow candidates asked him to take a more collaborative approach. But Lucy says Micah didn't seem open to that. He wanted us to wear pink T-shirts that said Nehalem on them. It's like, I don't wear T-shirts and I don't like pink. And so I go, but you didn't ask us. I mean, if we're four of us are running together, we have to agree on the color if we're going to have a color. We have to agree we're going to wear T-shirts. Not long after the T-shirts, Micah told his running mates it was going to be every man and woman for him or herself. And I felt just cut adrift. I had no idea how to run for an office, and I was only doing it because I had um, a leader. I thought I could be on city council if Mike is mayor, because Micah talks. Micah sent out a few more letters to the community in the lead-up to the election, and he continued to criticize the city leadership and the way they did things on social media. So at some point, Micah became a liability. It's sort of like if, if people thought I liked Micah, then they certainly weren't going to vote for me. Some people were drawn to Micah's ideas, but the way he pushed them alienated even his would-be supporters. Or, as Micah puts it, It's really cool to hang out with someone who's a lightning rod, because you're like, wow, look at that guy. I just saw a video of him on the internet. He's like a minor, minor celebrity. It's really interesting. Just hang out with him. It's really cool. But then when the lightning strikes that lightning rod, everyone around that person is burned big time. And I'm sorry, they can't handle it. So we go our own way. But going it alone didn't work out so well for Micah. In the election, he only got 20% of the votes for mayor. But that wasn't even the worst of it. Okay, so by the time the election happened, Micah's been living in Nehalem with his wife Kiara and his new baby son for about four years. And he's testing his theory of revolution via local elections. His goal is to take protest to the next level and take over local government. And he's totally upfront about that. I'm not trying to solve the problem of how do I get a community, a small community, to really like me and vote for me. That's not the problem I'm trying to solve. The problem I'm trying to solve is how do you get a small community, how do you gain control of it? But the thing is, people in Nehalem didn't want to be controlled. Yeah, I think it's it's very offensive to for someone that decides to move here and want to change everything about it. 
Jeff Pfeiffer was one of the city council members Micah criticized in his letters. Jeff's a carpenter, and he's lived in Nehalem for about 20 years. After he got the first letter, he looked Micah up online. And he saw that Micah mentions Nehalem specifically in his book. The rural uprising begins when revolutionary activists distribute ourselves into pre-existing micro-cities in Cascadia, ensuring that in each place there are enough of us to sway every local election. Nehalem represents one revolutionary scenario for building power in rural communities. We aspire to master city administration. I mean, any time you come into a city and say, I want to take over, let's take over city council, you know, usually people want to get involved to become a part of it and not take it over and, and, and what change. That's just, that really, really struck a chord with a lot of people. Jeff had started a Facebook group in response to Micah's run for mayor, and he called it Keep Nehalem, Nehalem. It became a forum where people not only criticized Micah's ideas and his political platform, but also attacked him personally. While Jeff doesn't support the personal attacks, he says that for many people in that group, himself included, it feels like Micah's an outsider who spends more time talking to the rest of the world about Nehalem and the theory of revolution that he was testing here than he does actually being a part of the community itself. I don't want to go be famous. I don't want to have my name in print and people reading my book. I don't. I'd rather just affect the people around me, you know. Okay, so the election's over, Micah's lost, and people are moving on. It's almost Christmas. But then there's this article on the front page of the North Coast Citizen, the local paper. And the picture is of a big white man's belly with the word Nehalem tattooed across it. And the headline reads, Nehalem and the N-word. Campaign tactics go low and grow. The article says that racial slurs were directed toward Micah during the mayoral race. And it quotes a local man calling Micah the N-word and saying, I did not vote for the guy and I'm glad as hell he lost. Take him snipe hunting. There are lots of old stumps that need fertilizer. The article was shared hundreds of times and caused a huge uproar in the community. Ultimately, Micah decided not to have the man investigated or to press charges. In Nehalem, I talked to more than a dozen people about the article. Some were horrified. Others dismissed the incident, saying the man quoted in the article didn't actually live in Nehalem proper, and that means his racist views didn't represent the views of the town. Here's Micah. Because a lot of things they'll say is, we're not racist. That guy who lived in Nehalem and said the racist thing doesn't live here anymore. See? So Nehalem isn't racist. I asked Jeff Pfeiffer, the city council member, if he thinks Nehalem has a problem with race. No, I don't. I've never seen, you know, anyone discriminated against or, or uh, you know, yeah, it's just, I've never noticed it. I don't. I just see human beings, you know, and, and a lot of people in this town, that's just the way it's just, he, he, you know, he brought a lot of that into this. I mean, that was, if I were in Micah's shoes, that would have scared me and my family, I think. Well, I agree, yeah. And why he didn't pursue it with the law. You tell me why he didn't do that if he was that scared, right? I mean, why a, a blanket a whole town of being that way, you know? But some people started to wonder. Did Micah lose the race for mayor because his idea about seizing control rubbed people here the wrong way? Or was it because of the color of his skin? Telling a black person there's no racism is like telling a rape victim that they were not raped. Lanisha Williams moved here a few years ago and started a catering business called Coastal Soul. Lanisha is black, 
And she says, despite the lack of diversity, she's found home here. I like to say it's Redneckville, USA. And I say that in the most loving, wonderful way possible. (laughs) But it is what it is. Soon after the article about racism came out, Lanisha started a group called the Oregon Coast Love Coalition. She says she wanted to find ways to get the community talking about racism in a more gentle, supportive environment. So over Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, Lanisha organized a series of events. She cooked a big breakfast for anyone who wanted to join, and there was a speaker, a woman who wrote a book about the history of the Ku Klux Klan in this county. And then they opened it up for a community discussion about racism. We had a young man who was black and gay, who received death threats, who was bullied. I mean, to hear his story broke my heart. So he's an example of it does live here. Then Micah got up. Lanisha hadn't met him until that weekend. And he said, you know, all this stuff about love is good and whatnot. But what we need is a change in power. I cannot, with everything I know about how love has changed my life, agree with him. Lanisha does agree that local government can and maybe should change. But she says she just can't get behind the way Micah goes about trying to make that change happen. Micah doesn't have a concern for this community. You know, he wants to prove his theory, and he's come to Nahalem to do that. And as a member of this community, I say, go away. One thing everyone can agree on, whether they like Micah and his ideas or not, is that he stirred things up. He got people talking and showing up to city council meetings. And for at least one person in Nahalem, he caused them to do things differently. Remember Lucy Brooke, the yoga teacher who ran for city council and also lost? She told me that because of Micah, she decided to join the city planning commission, something she'd never have done prior to all of this. We're going to talk about the watershed. We're going to talk about affordable housing. We're going to talk about traffic. Yeah. So you think ultimately he was a good thing for the community? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad he came. We say that to each other. Well, Micah got people talking. Micah got people paying attention. We need activists. We need people to try and wake up the human race and make us run this world differently. I interviewed Micah a few times when I was in Nehalem, and I kept asking him why he didn't try harder to win people over, instead of just trying to sort of force them to embrace his ideas. I am trying to write myself into what I consider to be basically a three to 4,000 year storyline of social revolutionaries. I don't want to be a tangential figure. I want to be an important figure. I want when I'm dead in like 400 years, they say, oh yeah, you can't really talk about 21st century activism without that weird, eccentric, lonely guy, Micah White. <laughs> you know what I mean? Micah believes that even though things in Nehalem didn't work out the way he'd hoped, his theory is sound, and it's more important now than ever. Protest will work, he says, when people realize they also have to enter government at the local level and build from there. Like, the world is sliding into a very dark place. It's very easy to focus on, you know, the little stuff. But in reality, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than Halem. We have to figure this out. I think they're going to miss me if I go. I really do. Have you ever been to a march or a protest? What do you think it accomplished? And did it lead you to take further actions? Or do you, like Micah White, think protest is essentially broken? You can head over to our Facebook group, just type in terrestrial and it should pop right up, and share your thoughts. 
Terrestrial is edited by Annie Aviles. Our producer and sound designer is Jonathan Hirsch, and he also voiced that bit from Micah's book that you heard. Terrestrial was developed with support from the NPR Story Lab and were produced out of KUOW in Seattle. I'm Ashley Ahern. Thanks so much for listening. Support for Terrestrial comes from the Evergreen State College, a public liberal arts college in Olympia, Washington, providing an academically rigorous and individually tailored education, preparing students for lives spent serving, creating, and innovating. Learn more at evergreen.edu.